Hey, this is Peanut from 311. You're listening to the Midwest Mixtape Podcast. Welcome to the Midwest Mixtape Podcast, live from the Barn Studio. You got the mocks here, and I'm joined with a special guest online right now. We have Peanut from 311. Peanut, how are you, man? Good. Wonderful. I'm in the Midwest. What could, what could be wrong? Hey, just a couple Midwest guys hanging out, right? <laughs> totally. It's like my total, you know, my childhood, my complete childhood. Yeah, and that was actually going to be one of my questions because, I, you know, you guys are so i think lumped in with uh, a california a lot of the california bands from the time from the 90s when you guys were coming up you know the sublimes and the no doubts do a lot of people think you're actually from california i know you live there or maybe have a residence there but do they think you're originally from there um i think so yeah and you know definitely associated with the sound people and the videos the the imagery going along with the band certainly when there was more exposure probably could lead people that way but we've we've always been proud Midwestern, you know, upstarts that that gave us our. I think we we talk about it as our ability to really make up our own genre because we were drawing from both coasts. I mean, even the the South Coast and just just everything was interesting to us, and it was a time that we could have access to music from all over the world and all over the country. So we played this kind of hybrid, and we we uh, consider our. geographical beginning a big part of that it's so funny that you mentioned that are you familiar with the rapper tech nine oh of course he's from kansas kansas city obviously and he he just waves the kansas city flag and the midwest flag all over everywhere he goes and i and i have the same sense you know i feel like we're maybe more of a melting pot than anywhere as far as when it comes to art and music and, and other things because we we're not west coast we're not east coast we get a little bit of the chicago a little bit of the south but i feel like we just in the midwest and i'm talking for the whole midwest here i guess but uh we just get so many influences from so many different places yeah it's it's amazing i mean is detroit the midwest <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like you know, it's a it's along the line. You know, it's so far north. You know, or is it or is it Canada? And it's certainly not that. So it's yeah. There, there's just an ability to kind of make your make your own story. I think in the Midwest that that I, I I think a lot of people don't understand not growing up there. And it's a it's definitely a benefit. I mean, I think that freedom is everywhere. It really is. But I think there's I don't know. There's there's a there's a lot more to growing up in the Midwest than people understand. 
talking a lot about the Midwest. You are coming to the factory in St. Louis or Chesterfield, Missouri, September 26th at 7 p.m. with special guest AWOL Nation and Blame My Youth. You have obviously played St. Louis a ton of times. I think it was it was a big market for you guys, and I say that because I've been there plenty of times. Glad to have you back coming to this area. Yeah, St. Louis is is one of our you know other Midwestern homes, especially because of all the shows we played with The Urge and just how how personal a band like The Urge loved St. Louis, loved St. Louis, and uh, those those shows back in the day, especially with them threw down like crazy and you know even our own shows just i don't know something about something about the working class towns something about those brewing towns (laughs) (laughs) there's it's a great show you know every night i mean it could be 50 people it could be 500 people it could be 5,000 people i'm gonna have a good time and um you know everyone in the room is gonna have a good time too doing this so many for so many years and in decades at this point how do you find that energy? How do you find that excitement? I mean, you've probably been everywhere, seen everywhere, done everything, at least in some people's mind. How do you find the energy and the excitement to keep doing it? I think it is. The, the, that's part of it. Like how much ground we've covered. I still, there's lots of ground to, you know, recover and, and then revisit. Um, all summer I've been talking about, since we had the summer off more or less, like seeing new trees and getting off of the same interstates that I've been on on, on tour buses for you know three decades now. Uh, me and my wife took the kids up to Canada and I, I definitely saw some new trees up in, up in Vancouver that I hadn't seen before. And, and I don't know, I, I've just got that built-in kind of uh, wanderlust and uh, travel bug. I love that I've been able to parlay it into a gig because you know there's something about traveling my my dad's lived in a dozen different places and uh, was stationed all over the the world as a as a chaplain in the air force so he was kind of my hero in that way i'm like where is he you know we didn't grow up together so i would ask my mom you know like where is he living like he's he's in italy like holy shit and you're like he's in england like wow and you know he's in san antonio and like okay cool <laughs> like it's just uh I don't know. There's something about travel. Travel is like my favorite teacher besides uh, good music and a good movie. You mentioned being a family man now and having kids. Is that tough to balance? Because being a professional musician, I'm sure there's long stints of time where you're away, right? Or on tour in the studio or whatever it might be. But then there's maybe some periods of time where you're at home where other people might be working a nine to five kind of job. Yeah, it's an interesting kind of juxtaposition to the norm where, just like you said, uh, I'm I'm gone for a while and then I'm home for a while. When I'm home, I'm 100% home, and when I'm gone, I'm totally totally gone too. You know, I've been like a ghost to some of my wife's friends and uh, and you know business partners and, and sh- uh, throughout the years because I'm so absent. And and I've actually only recently run into some other people like other parents of like my kids friends i'm like where is that you know who's that person that i've never met and, just, and they they introduce themselves as as like the missing you know <laughs> spouse or whatever and i'm like oh i know exactly how you feel like you know tell me all about it it's so nice to meet another one of you i thought i was the only one so uh you know it's it's fun like that my, my kids have great taste in uh in in friends so their parents are you know almost always a, of great quality so that's been a really interesting twist on uh I don't know, growing older and, uh, you know, whether your circle gets bigger or smaller, how people get introduced to it is, is a interesting thing for me. So, you know, shout out to the kids. Well, I've, I've never really thought good. of it like that. You don't, 
You don't see that in a lot of the parenting books. Make sure they pick out people you want to be around as well, because you end up being around them a lot, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, either either way. I mean, if they're friends, I think the parents have to make it work. But and in that way, there's some you know some flexibility. But if people are just generally cool, and I think most people are generally cool, and you know that makes it all the easier too. And I don't know, it's just fun meeting people like that and having like kids in common, and then kind of working out from that instead of I don't know meeting people at shows or you know other musicians and all these things just that happen in life. It's a know, it's a cool thing. Like you know, live for a long time. You ne- you never know what's going to happen. So what's this time right before you head out on tour, and you're going to be out for quite a bit? What's this time like for you? Are you preparing? Are you playing more? Are you going back and learning some of the old songs? What's this uh, preparation like for you? Um, Well, we played our first show, not last night, but the night before in Albuquerque. We played the the New Mexico State Fair, which was was super fun. Uh, My dad was there. Uh, He had 20 people on the guest list because he's my dad. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And and now we've got a couple of days off. Uh, We're in Wichita, actually, just uh, letting the bus drivers catch a breath and uh, enjoying enjoying Kansas and um, going to hit the road like around midnight as we drive another six hours to Iowa. So we're just breaking up a long drive and uh, enjoying the beautiful Kansas air. (laughs) (laughs) The longer you're out the better you get at it is that the case oh uh, i don't yeah i don't know i couldn't couldn't say for sure i mean there's dips and dives and and climbs and you know falls i i i I think what we've been able to achieve is some kind of a a plateau uh where we we exist on a high level and uh, we expect a lot out of ourselves uh, as far as the quality of the show uh, and that's always been the case, but you know, being able to spend money and have some production and play larger places, and I don't, I don't know, it's just there's a responsibility to it that I think has always separated us from your average, certainly your average bar band, um, and that those were our peers growing up playing covers and you know trying to get originals out there and knowing that we had a you know, a pack of songs already because there had already been a previous uh, version of the band and just gave us a leg up. And I don't know, we've always been good at writing. I mean, we're working on our 14th album right now. So, uh, I don't know, there's a work ethic that comes along with each of the individuals in the band. And that's been something that's kept us afloat. And the fact that it goes beyond the music at this point because of the community that we've been building up uh, through the philosophical you know, attributes of the band where we, uh, we, uh, we claim to be, <laughs> we uh, propose uh, problem solving as opposed to uh, just being pissed off. Uh, <laughs> right. When we were coming up in the early nineties, there was a, uh, you know, there was that contingency in the, in, in music where it did just kind of feel like it was a bitch fest where, uh, you know, we felt like life was really good and, and we've always been kind of stirring that pot and, and cooking that meal for ourselves and our fans. And I think as the decades go on, it just, you know, it feels like an even more and more imp- important mission to continue because people rely on it and people look forward to it. And I don't know, that that helps me stay motivated about the, the, the whole process as well is knowing that, I don't know, people wear our music on their sleeves and, you know, how proud I am of that. 311's songs, albums, great. They're well-received, always have been for a number of years. But is 311 a, 
is it a live band? Is it a band that you have to experience live to fully appreciate? Oh yeah, hundred percent. No, no question about it. And that's why we that's why we do what we do is to be on stage, be in that moment, and uh, and just kind of let it all go. We mentioned the urge earlier, and you took yeah. them out earlier in their career. And uh, you know, I've seen them a hundred times, like most St. Louis guys of my age. Uh, were they ever hard to follow, or did you ever take out bands where you're old? Were it like it was either hard to follow, or did it make you up your game when you when you had a band open for you that was so good? Yeah, I mean, in the urges case, it was both. Uh, they certainly didn't make it. I mean, they they that's the thing is they made it easy because the the crowd was so lubricated by the time we got on stage it was just you know they we just came out and did our thing you know and and of course at that point we would be elevated as well as they uh you know permeated stage and backstage and front of house and everything with that that energy and that movement that they created i mean between them and the funk junkies from phoenix uh we really learned a lot about like Oh, it's, it's going to be physical, right? It's a, it's a, it's an action, right. <laughs> it's an action show. You know, it's not a, it's not a sit down and watch. It's not a stand or stand around and watch either. It's a, it's a move and watch kind of situation, especially back then. And, uh, but it, I never really saw it as a challenge because it was so friendly. You know, it was, it was always, I don't know, they were, they were helping us and we were, we were helping them. It was, it was really a contagious uh, kind of perfect relationship. I mean, and, and those were the best, that was the best warm up for me is being crouched behind, you know, some dark corner and watching their whole set and then just being fired up and going up on stage. <laughs> and lots of times now I miss the beginning, uh, the opening acts because I'm doing like a, a warm up and making sure I don't, you know, get all bent out of shape from moving around as a 49 year old man. So those, those memories are really vivid and wonderful because of uh, how much just how much love they had on stage i mean even if they were doing like you know drunk asshole or something like that it was still like a i don't know it was it was still a good time you know even, even if, if they were going to be frustrated and we and we do the same things it's it's like uh i don't know it's the, it's the way we choose to solve problems but it was difficult having snoop dogg open up for us that was that was super hard because you know that was that wasn't a challenge challenge but what he was throwing out into the air of of our audience our shared audience at that point for sure was uh just hit after hit i mean he would do he'd do gin and juice and then he'd do he'd do jump by house of pain and you're, i'm just shaking my head i'm like god like god damn it like what are we gonna do <laughs> like we're gonna come out and play we're gonna come out here and play beautiful disaster everybody you know <laughs> and that'll work you know for for a certain degree but god he came out it was number one after number one and he would wear you know a local jersey and he'd have his sparkled microphone and he was just being himself too it was that was that was a, us biting off a little bit more than than we could chew honestly because snoop is one of the most known personalities in the in the universe but it did it did help us step up our game we we knew that we had our work cut out for us and the same was true when we were opening up for jay-z on the sprite liquid mix tour in like 99 2000 whenever that was that was real hard that was a straight up hostile 
audience. And that was one of the only times that we ever exp- uh, experienced that. It was like Jay-Z's fans didn't want to hear shit from us, which I totally understand. <laughs> and and Kiss's fans, when we opened up for those guys, they they were not thrilled about us being on stage they were thrilled when we left and i was and i was okay with it too like get me out of here those those experiences are pretty difficult like if you're uh you know if you're a comedian and you're bombing you know you know you know you're funny you know you've been funny before but the audience you know on that particular night or whatever just sends you to the door with your with your head between your shoulders I and mean, it's gonna ha- it's gotta happen to every performer and uh, luckily it doesn't happen that often to us and we learn from those experiences uh as they sting continuously <laughs> right that's what comedians say a lot is like you have to bomb right you have to bomb to know that you're any good yeah i mean if you're you got to try and and when you try you're probably gonna fail there's there's got to be some golden microphone holding you know, person that is just slayed every night, you know, yeah. but just by doing like tight fives and, uh, you know, maybe opening slots and stuff like that, where, where it is, it's a controllable situation, but you know, that's, it's just, it's risky being a performer and that's what makes it fun. And that's probably why, you know, more people aren't doing it or most people don't do it, uh, is that risk factor. But honestly, it is part of the thrill, you know, of course, it's that boomerang effect of, you know, am I going to do this? Uh, what gives me the audacity to do this? You know, what makes me think that I'm good enough to entertain these people? You know, I love that. You know, I'll show you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, especially, and I couldn't never do it on my own. I would never have that that attitude on my own. But, you know, with all these years and, you know, all the hours that we've put in, it is, it is kind of like that. You do have to have that you know, take it to the stage, uh, funkadelic attitude. And I, and I, I like, I like that part of it, even though it is really a competition. It's a, I don't know, there's a swagger effect that, uh, I think helps performing. <laughs> when you think about the 311 sound and, and like we're talking about the 311 live experience, you know, a lot of people credit you guys for being one of the tightest bands and especially the rhythm section of the bass and the drums because of some of the reggae and some of the offbeat things that you do how do you guys stay so tight is it a practice thing is it repetition is it all these years of knowing each other and playing so well together yeah i mean i met i met chad when i was 15 and the first song we played together was a red hot chili pepper song called fight like a brave off the uplift mofo party plan album which i was just playing ad nauseum at that point i mean it was like a it was basically a new album and he knew the song and i knew the song and we played it pretty well you know on a first run certainly he knew what he was doing and uh i kind of emotionally married him at that point whether he knew, knew it or not non-consensual rhythm section <laughs> right you know lifetime connection and but we've we've made it work and it, it's really a it's a great relationship because i think i keep chad a little loose um as much as possible as much as i as you know as much as i can and then um he's got a innate just regimented perfection um that he he harnessed through uh drum corps uh, as a kid and as a college student as well for a little bit but yeah so he's got this amazing tightness and and i bring i, I feel like a, a little punk rock to it and uh, together we have a lot a lot of fun playing with those themes and uh making sure that yeah whatever foundation the rest of the band needs they're going to have it and they'll they'll have a playground on which they can perform 
It's the Midwest Mixtape Podcast. We're joined here with Peanut from 311. You're going to be catching them if you're in the St. Louis area at the factory at Chesterfield, Missouri, September 26th with AWOL Nation and Blame My Youth. And also, you guys have a new beer out. 311's Come Original IPA, made in collaboration with El Segundo Brewing, and it's available at 311beer.com. I've actually had some myself. I did a product review for it for v13.net. I love the beer. It sits in our studio right here. Oh, man. Makes my day. Yeah, what got you into the beer game? I mean, I've I've always been such a such a fan. You know, I've been an audience member for so long uh, that I that uh, a few years ago, when the Rock Brothers from the Tampa, Florida area reached out to us and, and said that they wanted to help us out in making an ale or two, uh, I was just in love. Uh, you know, just this is what I've been you know what I've been waiting for. It's one of those things like the cruise that people had to kind of introduce themselves to us to recognize the opportunity and just kind of marry the passions together um so when that relationship didn't work out as as well as we could have we took a little break and uh with new management we've found a new beer partner in el segundo and uh with that relationship we were in 37 states um with their distribution partners and uh and it's just a, a you know it's step up or for in quality, uh, especially on the distribution front. I mean, we've always been making great ales with our partners. That's job number one. But being able to move something, move something so fragile. Not, you know, not that it's terribly fragile, but you got to still you got to take care of it. All, you know, in every step of the process, and make sure it's as good as possible for someone who's in St. Louis. And you know, as opposed, you know, as well as someone who's in L.A. You know, where we're where we're brewing it and stuff. So that means the world to me. And when people order it, I want to show up you know fresh and intact <laughs> and uh, and tasting as good as possible because i'm getting real nerdy about you know anything that's like a month or two old <laughs> as yeah. far as ale so yeah i've always i had a girlfriend who was working at a, a brew pub back in the day in omaha and i learned a lot there and uh, as far as flavors and and just really it opened up the world outside of the uh, imported or domestic world that we grew up in in the in the eighties, which is kind of ridiculous because I don't know it just it was such a limited way of seeing things and now there's you know there's breweries on every corner now you know sh- you can see the the growth and the need for I don't know uh, higher quality more local um, stronger heavier ales and uh, I don't know IPAs are important to me so that's what I wanted to do. And I think it came out really good. I think it, I think in my world, it, it, it it's in kind of a, like a introduction to IPAs um, where it's not really challenging. It's not like super juicy and it's not super grassy and it's not super uh, hoppy. It's a, it's a very well balanced IPA. It's a, it's a, you could drink it anytime kind of IPA and IPA drinkers, I think will enjoy it more than some of the more challenging ales out there. Yeah. And I would agree with that. My wife, She'll sip a beer every once in a while. And she had some too. And uh, we, we were drinking in the studio and she loved it as well. And like I said, she's just kind of a casual when it comes to that. So yeah, it's a great beer. Yeah. Thanks for saying so. And thanks for doing the review and thanks for bringing it up. You know, it's just, it's fun to, I don't know, work with, with, uh, materials and ideas that, that you're interested in, you know, you're genuinely passionate about. So beer is, beer is that for me. Uh, on a couple of different levels, and I, I'm thrilled when people enjoy what we make. 
Once again, the factory in Chesterfield, Missouri, September 26th at 7 p.m., 311 with AWOL Nation. I love that band. And Blame My Youth as well. It's a great bill. And then 311's Come Original IPA at 311beer.com. Looking forward to meeting you when you come into town. Yeah, that'd be great. It'd be be fun to shake your hand. And, And yeah, thanks for having me on and good talking with you, Chip. Thanks, man. Storm.